listening to a Clovis Hills podcast, you're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. Hey, good morning, Clovis Hills. I'm so glad you guys are with us. I want to encourage you right now, before we get going to anything, is uh, run to your kitchen and get some elements for communion. Um, some bread, some grape juice. Uh, it's okay to have wine for communion. Um, <laughs> Jesus did. Uh, whatever you got to do. If you don't have any of that, I know people, I've, and, and post a picture of it even. It's kind of fun. I know people that have had like soda and cheeses. Uh, but whatever it is, it, it, it's not the elements. It's really the act of remembering Jesus. So at the end of, end of uh, my message, I'm going to lead us in communion. So go get some communion communion stuff. And I, I want to I talk to you a little bit about what we've been going through. We've been in the book of 1 Peter, and uh, it's a series called Different. And then we decided to pause last week, and it's a, we started a two-week series called Strangers and Aliens. We're still in the book of 1 Peter. We just felt like, I felt like this passage was so uh, relevant to what's going on in our world right now. It is election season and everyone's fighting and everyone disagrees. And, um, you know, Peter and ultimately God's word speaks powerfully to where, where we're at. You know, last week we, we, we talked about this concept that as Christians, really we're supposed to see ourselves as strangers and aliens in this world. Yes, we're part of the human race. Yes, most of us watching live in America and we are Americans. And yes, you, you may be part of some um, ethnic group. And yes, you may be a father or you may be a mother or you may be a, uh, you know, a Dodger fan or what, on and on and on. There's all these different groups you might belong to. You may be a student, you, whatever it is. But ultimately, if you're a believer in Jesus, what the Bible tells us is that our truest identity is that we belong to God, to God's kingdom, God's country. So last week, I kind of explained to you this concept that the Bible uses called Zion and Babylon. See, Babylon is... Um, really the world. And, and Babylon was a real place. And sometimes in the Bible, it refers to Babylon as a, the, the real empire Babylon. But then in the New Testament, the, the apostle John in the book of Revelation refers to Rome as Babylon. And really what ultimately the metaphor scripture is using for Babylon is it is the world. It's the way the world lives. It's the way the world thinks. It's the way the world um, wields power, uses power, all of those things. We're seeing it right now unfold before us because there's two different groups fighting for power in our country. And that's what Babylon does. But when you become a believer in Jesus, when you are born again, you are born into Zion. You have a new citizenship and you are, Zion is the the city of God. And yes, Zion was a real place. It's a mountain in Jerusalem. Um, it's where David's palace was, all of that. But it also metaphorically meant God's city, God's people, God's kingdom, God's way of life. And we have these two conflicting cities. You have Babylon and you have Zion. And we talked about how many Christians, you belong to Zion, your citizenship is in Zion, but you love Babylon. And it's way more fun to live in Babylon. So we went through a theme that's throughout the book of Peter. Who do you belong to? You're God's people. You're a Zion. You live in Zion. 
And who are you? You're a child of God, right? You belong to God. You were bought with a price. You were set apart. And we use this analogy every week of the bulls. You know, if you look at these glass bowls right here, they're all, they're all the same. They're, they're very common. There's nothing special about one or the other. But what the book of 1 Peter and what the whole New Testament tells us is this, is that God looked down, he saw these, you know, he saw ordinary people. We all look the same. We all bleed the same blood. We have that. But he saw you and he chose you. He picked you. He set you apart. He sanctified you. He pulled you apart for his purposes. He put Jesus in you. And now you are, you exist for God's purposes, not your purpose, not your big purpose in life. You exist for God's purpose and he set you apart now and you're different because you're being used for something else in, in this world for God. So today we're gonna read the same passage we read last week and we're gonna go deeper into it. To be honest, I, I, we could stay in this passage for months, it's so deep, but I also know I'm talking about politics and two weeks is enough. People start getting angry at me. So I'm going to read, read starting in verse 11, uh, chapter two of first Peter. We're going to read to 17. It says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. So as we go deeper into this, this passage, the first thing in your outline I, I, I wanna talk to you about is exile and homecoming and, and what that is. See, throughout scripture, you see this theme of exile and homecoming and it even comes into our lives as well. See, um, God called this guy Abraham and Abraham lived in Ur of the Chaldeans, which would have been uh, modern day Iraq. And that's where his family lived. That's where his father's fathers lived, his father's father's fathers. They lived, there's their ancestral land. That's everything he knew, the food he ate, everything that was comfortable. That's where he lived is all of it. And God called Abraham and said, leave your father's land and go to the land I show you. So Abraham, not even knowing where he was, where he was supposed to go, he left and God showed him and brought him to Canaan, which is modern day Israel, where we are, are where Israel is. So he goes to Canaan and he lives in Canaan as a foreigner, he doesn't know the language. He doesn't know the people. He doesn't know the customs. People are suspicious of him. He's taken their jobs. All of that stuff is going on. You, I, I want you to understand that. He, he's, but, but while he lives there, he lives there as a foreigner. God promises him, one day this will be yours. And Abraham ends up having to move to Egypt. He lives there as a foreigner. He's in exile in Egypt. He's been in exile in Canaan. And he lives his whole life as a foreigner in exile, 
hoping on a promise that God gave him that one day his people would have that land. And it happens to all of Israel. They, they go into exile into Egypt and they come out of Egypt and they roam the desert living on the promise that one day they might be in the promised land, right? Once they get in the promised land, they screw up. They, they totally start worshiping false gods. They turn away from God. We never do that, right? No, we, no we're always 100% faithful and we never sin. But they turn away from God and they, they, the Babylonian empire comes in carries them away. Now they're living not in, in their home. They're living as exiles again in Babylon. And see, when Peter speaks to the Christians living in Asia Minor at that time, and he says, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, he's referencing just how the Jews were. And in the same way, what he's trying to tell us is this, is that the world we live in, and we live in America, most of us watching right now, and it is an amazing country. I've traveled the world. I've been in many, many countries. And I do know this, America rules, okay? It's awesome. But here's what I want you to know. As great as it is, it's not your home. That should never be your primary identity. And I know some of you, you grew up in the military, you grew up with military families, and this is a difficult message for you, but I want you to know, this is what God's word says, not me. Is that it doesn't mean you can't be patriotic, but what you have to understand is your first allegiance is to God and you are living as an exile in America. You're blessed to, I'll tell you that right now, the freedoms we have, the wealth that is in this country, all of those things, we are blessed. But if you're a believer in Jesus, this is not our home. And we, we tend to make ourselves at home here. So see, Abraham was promised this land but he never got it. And in the same way, God has made us citizens of heaven and he has promised us heaven and we have not seen it yet. And we have to live in faith that that is our true citizenship. And that takes daily laying down our other citizenships. It doesn't mean forsaking them. It means putting our heavenly citizenship first. So I love what the writer of Hebrews says. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but I think she was really smart. Look what it says here. It says, by faith, he, he's talking about Abraham, made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him to the same promise. He, he believed what God said would happen, even though he never saw it. He actually died and never saw it. But God still made it happen. His, his descendants live there to this day. And in the same way, God has put you in this land for his purposes. Not for the purposes of America, not for the purposes of the state of California, not for the purposes of whatever your boss is telling you to do, not for the, your own purposes. But if you're a believer in Jesus, you're here for God's purposes. I love what it says in the book of Acts about David. And it's almost my life verse, I think. It sums up what I want. It says that David served God's purpose and then he died. That easy. I hope one day God says, Sean served God's purpose and then he died. And, and, and it's a lifetime of serving God's purposes is really what we're called to. It's obedience day in and day out. And then you end up serving God's purpose. The, the grand total of your life becomes a life that served God's purposes. And I wanna let you know that's a life that's blessed. So I wanna to talk to you a little bit though about politics and Christianity. 
because we're, we're talking about this concept of being strangers and aliens. And the, the people reading 1 Peter were in, Asia, were in Asia Minor. They would have been Roman citizens. They would have had a lot of the privilege of Rome. And he was calling them time and time again to live as strangers and aliens in, in Rome. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, I, I want you to understand what politics are like. And it's not just in America, it's in history. It's in the world. See, politics is really people trying to get in charge because if you're in charge, you can shape the world you want it to be. So if you're a dictator, you can shape the world you want it to be. If you're in a democracy, they're still trying to shape the world they want it to be. And Republicans and Democrats, both with good intentions, think the way they see the world, it should be shaped that way and it would be best. They're both going for the same thing. But here's what I want you to know about power. See, the way human beings work is we want to be in charge. We wanna be the boss. We wanna be the boss of our life. We wanna be in control. And what, what happens in politics is people do what it takes to get in control. They spin the news, they spin the truth. And I'm just gonna let you in. I'm gonna be honest right now. Um, both sides do it. They're both doing whatever it takes. They're, and you can see it on TV right now. They're bashing each other. They're, they're you know, trying to play gotcha, like, oh, you didn't wear a mask and you didn't do this and you don't love America and you hate the troops. And they're doing that whole game right now to assume power. They're spending billions of dollars to assume power. Some of you are donating lots of your money so that your team can assume power. And I, I want you to understand something about that. Uh, I'm not saying it's evil. The Bible's not saying it's evil, but I, I want you to understand power in Zion, power in God's kingdom is wielded incredibly different. And what the church, what we do from time, time and time again is we wield power like they do in Babylon. Let me explain to you in God's kingdom, how power is wielded. Jesus, Jesus talks about it a lot. See, there's a story in the book of Matthew. There's two, these two uh, disciples, James and John, and their nicknames are the Sons of Thunder. That's a pretty cool name, isn't it? I mean, come on, if you're gonna get nicknamed, you're, you know, your brothers, you're the Sons of Thunder, like, sounds like a metal band, right? It's awesome, but they, 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 they're vying for it to become number one, number two of Jesus' disciples. And they actually send their mommy they send their mom to Jesus to talk to him about it. Like, like I guess they're not so BA after all. Maybe they're not the sons of thunder, right? They, they're all talking because they had to send mommy to go take care of them. So their mom goes to Jesus in Matthew 10 and she asks him, she says, Jesus, when you are in your kingdom and she's seeing it like Babylon, she says, when you're in power, let my sons sit at your left and your right. And Jesus looks at her and says, and, and looks at the, the two sons, James and John and says, do you even know what you're asking? Could you, could you drink the cup that I drink? See, because he understood that they had no idea how God wields power. And then it says this in Matthew 20, 24 through 28, I wanna read it. It says, when the 10 heard about this, right? That these two were vying for power. When the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers, probably because they didn't think of it first, right? How dare they try and rise to the top? Yeah, because they wanted to. And then in verse 25, I love what Jesus does. I love it. Look what he does. 
It says, Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. He's explaining Babylon. He's saying, when you're in power, you get on top and you boss people around and you get things done that you think is right and you do what you want and you assert your power. He's saying the Gentiles assert their power. But then he says this in verse 26, he says to the disciples, not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Jesus is looking at us as we're fighting to try and get our team in power, whatever team you're part, you think you're part of. He's saying, you see how the world vies for power. And he's saying, not so with you. Whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slaves. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, the world tries to assume power, but in God's kingdom, here's how it works. Jesus being the Lord of all laid down all his power. And I don't know if you know this, but in history, when the church has been its most powerful, when it's had the most political power in the world, it has actually been at its worst. Okay, it was called the Dark Ages. It was called the Holy Roman Empire. It's called the religious right. I could go on and on and on. I love what Dr. Tony Campolo says about religion and politics, that whenever you mix religion and politics together, it's like mixing manure and ice cream. Only one of the elements gets ruined. The other doesn't even know it. See, and whenever Christianity has been at its weakest and actually persecuted and the people in power have put it down, that is when God's people, that is when Zion has flourished. Do you know the largest growing church in the world is in Iraq and it's composed primarily of women. It's the fastest growing church of the world. Incredibly oppressed. Did you know there are more Christians in China right now than in America. There's double the amount of Christians in China where they're incredibly persecuted. Many of their churches meet underground and it is flourishing. See, because in God's kingdom, when we lay our power down, he lifts us up. I know you don't like that message. I I know, because I don't wanna lay my power down either. I like to be in charge. I'm the boss, right? Well, that leads me to point number three. I wanna to talk to you about submission to authority. This one's really gonna piss you guys off. So, and if you got pissed off for me saying pissed off. Okay, so anyways, um, you've probably already logged off by now anyways, but here's the deal. Again, this is not me. This is what the Bible says. Take it up with God. Look what this says, Californians. Submit yourselves to the, for the Lord's sake to every human authority. I don't like this one either. I'm just letting you know. I am naturally rebellious. I naturally want to be in charge. I naturally want to do what I do. But look what it says. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor. I want you to think about that. We don't have an emperor, but it could be in November. um, The person you want to be president isn't president. And your flesh is going to want you to get online and start talking crap. But what does God's word say? 
It says, submit yourself to it, to the emperor. And then it says, as the supreme authority. Paul, this is Peter speaking. Paul in Romans talked about how whoever the emperor is, whoever God has put in charge of countries, he put them there. In the Old Testament, it called wicked kings, God's servants. And God was using them too. So you may think whoever's present now or whoever may be present is wicked or bad or whatever. But here's what I want you to know. God is on the throne and he put them there and we have to trust that. And this is what God's word is telling us. As a matter of fact, I want you to understand something. Do you know who the emperor was when Peter and Paul, when Paul wrote Romans and said that, when Peter wrote this book, the emperor was Nero. Okay, Nero at that time was taking Christians and killing them. He was sewing them inside the bodies of animals and letting lions eat them. He was dipping them in tar and tying them to poles and they would lighting them on fires and they would light his garden at night alive. He was throwing them to the lions. He was sending them to the, for the gladiators to fight. He was blaming the burning of Rome on them. And Peter writes, submit to him. So here's what I want you to know. Like if you're super left-leaning and you're like, Trump is not my president. I hate that guy. Listen, you have the freedom to do that, but you're disobeying God. If Biden gets elected, you have the freedom to get super mad. And, and, and diss him and do that, but you're disobeying God. But it gets worse, guys. I'm just letting you know. Look what, look what else it says. Verse 14, or to governors. Or to governors. Who are sent by him to make us not have church indoors. No, it says, or to governors. <laughs> who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Here's what I want you to know. Um, everything in my fiber wants to just disobey the governor and just open the church. I, I just want you to know, I grew up a punk rock kid. Uh, authority is something I've never liked. Um, I, I, it, it bothers me that I'm a pastor and I drive a sedan, but listen, what God's word said is we got to submit to the authorities that God has put them there. And could it be that even during this time when we haven't been able to gather inside and yeah, the church has shrunk and there's less people coming and there's less people watching online. Could it be though, that God is at work in this? Could it be that God is purifying his church right now? Could it be that you watching, God is calling you deeper into Christ? Maybe what we need to do is trust that God is in this process and that he will deliver us. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? It doesn't say, yea, though I float over the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I, I, here's the thing. You're not submitting when you're just doing what you agree with. That's not called submission. That's called doing what you want. I know that hurts. It hurts me. I'm preaching to myself, guys. When, when submission is doing what you don't want to do. I don't like wearing a mask. I don't like that we can't gather inside as a church. And regardless of what my opinions are, I got to look at God's word and God's word many times will smack my opinion in the face. And I've got to submit. Because who's the king? You or Jesus? So by now, there's probably 12 people left on this feed. So for the 12 of you that are watching, 
Because I know America, we're so divided and no one's an expert anymore. And you're just like, I'm just going to go to another pastor that disagrees. I'm just trying to tell you, this is what God's word says. I don't even like what it says, but I know what it says and I have to obey it. So here, number four is this, we're called to be different. We really are called to be different. And we, me, along with you, we've been living in Babylon for too, too long and God has called us higher. And, and I love what it says in verse 16 of this passage. Peter says this, he says, live as free people. Live as free people. Freedom is good. We, we have that. We have more of that allotted to us than any group of people in history. Um, even during COVID, I, I want you to know, I've traveled the world. You still have way more freedom allotted to you than, than most people in the world do. And it says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. And sometimes I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. Um, I'm a Christian, I'm an evangelical. I believe the Bible is God's word. I think we as a tribe, we as a people, we as the church as a whole, we will hide behind the constitution of the United States before we hide behind the Bible. I, I need you to understand something. God's word trumps the constitution. Now that there's two of you left watching, listen. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to understand. Um, I say this as a fellow struggler. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote. You should vote and you should vote your conscience. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm not telling you who I'm gonna vote for. You vote your conscience. Pray about it. Both parties, um, both of them, believe it or not, have some things where that they, they embrace the values of scripture, the values of God. And both of them have things where they embrace things that are not of God, of Babylon. So you need to pray about it. You need to do that. And some of you are like, no, we need to stand up for, no, it doesn't say that. It says submit, not stand up. If they call you to forsake Christ, that's when you stand. That's when Daniel went to the den. That's when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went to the fiery furnace. But no one has called you to do that yet. But it's okay to have an opinion too. I want you to understand that. I don't want you to feel bad that you have a political opinion. We all do. And you probably will spout it out this week. I keep doing it. Dang it, I'm on a freaking conservative radio show. So, you know, it comes out occasionally. But love your enemies. Love the people on the other side. Understand that they, they, they are loved by God and deserving of your love as well. And don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. This is what God's word says. So we're going to do something this today. We're going to take communion. And see, it says in Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, it says for the, Paul said this. He said, for I received from the Lord Jesus and what I passed on to you. He, it was a tradition he was passing on to them. And he said, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, it's for you. Do this and remember me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this when you drink it 
in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Christians have been doing this for 2,000 years. And here's what I want you to understand. When you take communion, we're in an election season right now. And every time you take communion, you take, and and not just in election season, but it, it relates to what we're in right now. Every time you take the bread and you take the wine, here's what you're saying. I am a stranger and alien living in this world right now. I belong to a different kingdom. And I'm casting my vote for the one whose body was broken. Listen, I'm casting my vote for the one whose body was broken for my sins. And when you take that bread, you remember who you are, who you belong to, and the purpose you've been called to. And then it said, this is the blood of a new covenant. That's a new promise. That's a new administration. When you take the juice, the wine, the soda, whatever you're using, when you take that, I want you to understand something. You're saying... I'm a stranger and an alien in this world. I've cast my vote for the King of Kings, Jesus. And I'm gonna live in his administration. And here's what that means. That's the administration of grace. That God has forgiven you. That he loves you. That you are his and he's drawing you to him. And this morning, if you have sin in your life, he's drawing you to repentance and he wants to forgive you and love you. But you gotta come to him. So we're gonna play a song in a moment that, that really talks about actually the, the whole inauguration of God's kingdom. It was at Pentecost when the spirit came down. And as we're singing that song and taking that song, I want to encourage you, whoever you're with, whatever group you're with, if you're with your growth group or your family or you're by yourself or wherever you are, take this time to pray and repent and say, God, I've put Babylon first And I know I'm a citizen of Zion and cast your vote for Jesus, the King of Kings. Let's take it together, guys. God bless.